Our text tonight is Philippians 1.27. Um, I'm going to say a few things before we read. We're actually going to read much, much more than that, but um, I've entitled this message, what's, what's in a Letter? Well, it's that time of the year again. It's the start of a new year where for many people this is a time of reflection, time to take stock of what happened over the past year and prepare for a new year ahead. One of my favorite things at this time of the year involves letters. Tammy and I usually receive several letters from family and old friends where they talk about things that have happened to them and their family over the past year. Reading these letters is one of my favorite parts of this season. I take great joy in hearing about things that have happened to people that I care about, even if their news is not always positive. I'm certain that one of the reasons I enjoy them so much is that they stand out from the previous 12 months of cryptic text messages and emails that get the job done. Yes, they did accomplish communication, but to me it's kind of like the difference between peanut butter and crackers compared to a hot bowl of my chicken and sausage gumbo on a cold day. Yes, nutrition was indeed provided in both meals, but wow, what a difference. I think we all understand that. The Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Philippi has similarities to what I experience when I read these letters from family and old friends. The church at Philippi was most likely Paul's favorite. One way that we see this is that even though it was written from the prison cell, forms of the word joy appear 16 times in this short letter. Paul's love for this church as partners in the gospel ministry jumps off the page at us when we read it, which is very different from what we find in some of Paul's other letters. For example, the deep theological discussions of Romans or the chastisement and instruction that Paul provided to the Corinthians. While all of Paul's letters were written out of love, the letter to the Philippians feels like he was writing to what I would call in this modern day, his pride and joy. Kind of like when the Apostle John refers to himself in his own gospel as the one whom Jesus loved to describe a unique and special relationship that existed between them. Our text for this evening is chapter 1, verse 27, where Paul summarizes his main purpose of the letter. But we're going to do something different. <clears throat> we are going to read the entire letter to the Philippians together. I hope... <laughs> I hope that you will enjoy this and that you will see the benefit of leaving the text message world behind, even if only for a few minutes. This is a love letter from Paul to this church. And to get to the context, you need to read it as it was written, like I read the Christmas letters people send to us. So if you will, get your copy of God's Word and turn to Philippians 1. We're going to read. I'm going to read, and you're going to read with me. 
Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, <clears throat> to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the, def in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, shall I, cho which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a corrupt, crooked and twisted generation, among who you whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in labor or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all. And he has been and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but all on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh though I myself have reasons for reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, 
as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I did not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that, that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and, they glory, in the and their gl they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. For I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. 
And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word of God, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. <clears throat> so now that we've read that, what I'd like to do is like to just briefly discuss three points of application that we can take from reading Paul's letter to the Philippians. These three points are, I want you to think about how you read the Bible. Two, I want to look at Paul's main point, which is how we are to live. And third, I want you to see the mission's emphasis in this letter, especially how that relates to us today. So first, I want you to think about how you read the Bible. In my experience, interpreting the Bible out of context is the most common and dangerous error that we can make when reading Scripture. Tomorrow night will be the culmination of the college football season. If you watch football, you'll usually see some of the players who have Bible verses written across the little blackout stuff underneath their eyes, all right? Philippians 4.13 is a common one. I even noticed it yesterday while watching a bass fishing tournament on television where the guy had it printed on his shirt. You know the verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And while I am absolutely not against promoting scripture verses, I am against what it often leads to. Taken out of context, it is easy to think that this promise of scripture is about us winning some sort of an athletic event or to achieve something else that we want. But the promise of Philippians 4.13 is how we can endure suffering well for the sake of the gospel ministry. This is just one easy example of taking scripture out of context. It took us about 12 minutes to read that book in its entirety. Most of us read silently faster than we read aloud. So I think that most people would be able to read this book in one sitting in about 10 minutes. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how to challenge yourself with this. This is well within the time that most of us can put into daily reading the Bible. By my count, there are 22 books of the Bible that are equal to or shorter than the book of Philippians. So, about one-third of the books of the Bible 
can easily be read in their entirety in just a few minutes. You probably never thought of that. Who, who would have thunk it? All right? And the reason I say this is I want to encourage you to apply this to your own Bible reading to help you understand what context is all about and use this for your own spiritual growth. One approach would be that as you begin reading a book of the Bible, <clears throat> that you try and read through it completely first and then follow that by reading a few verses each day with prayer and meditation. This is much like the example we have from our pastor who, as he preaches through books of the Bible from this pulpit, he always begins a book with a sermon that covers the entire book. He doesn't read the entire book like we just did, but he covers the entire book and what it says and what it means. And then once he's then gone verse by verse through the, the, the book from the pulpit, then at the end he preaches a bookend where then he summarizes those main teachings of, of that book. We need to be able to apply that to ourselves. That principle can happen to each, we can use that each one of us. And I want you to think about that, to apply it this year, and see if God won't help you learn more about his word, help you understand more and grow spiritually through that effort. Secondly, I want you to see Paul's main point, just briefly, which is how we are to live. I'm going to read verse 127 again. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We could spend a lot of time on this, but we're not. But just to look briefly, <clears throat> Paul is giving us a quick summary or a, giving a summary to the Philippians about how to live. And he does it in two ways. He says that our lives must be worthy of our calling as Christians, and then he, we need to be united in the gospel message. And so what does that mean, to be uh, worthy of our calling as Christians? It used to be, I guess it, I don't guess my dad ever told me this now that I sit and think about it, but you know, you hear, at least I grew up hearing stories um, where, you know, the father as the son's getting ready to, to head off, you know, they taught you that son, you always protect the family name, right? That, you know, we, that we're supposed to live worthy of the family that we come from. Don't shame the family that you're a part of because people out there see you and identify you with the family. You protect the family name. We need to protect the family name as Christians. We are representatives of Christ in this world. And our conduct reflects upon our Savior, both good and bad. The world is watching. It's interesting as I thought about this. It's been amazing over the last really recent, I don't know, it's been visible mostly over the last couple of years, at least to me, that the world we live in, you all know it, you see it, 
anytime something happens somewhere, you know, instead of when there's an accident or something, instead of somebody first response being to help somebody, their first response is to reach in their pocket and get their phone so they can videotape whatever it is is happening. You see it constantly, all right? It, it constantly. And, you know, it's, it's kind of an epidemic of that, in my opinion. And the reason I, th I think that's kind of important for us, it, it just makes it easy for, from my perspective for us to see what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, okay? In that, you know, the world is watching, and it's important for us to live because the world is watching. Our behavior as Christians, wherever it is, okay, whether it's in the at school, whether you're a student or a teacher, or whether you're in the checkout line at Walmart, or worse than that, if you're at the customer service line trying to return something, or so <laughs> those times when many of us wind up getting frustrated, or at least I speak from my own experience. I'm, I'm sure that never happens to any of y'all. But the, the world is watching, and we need to live like that. And yes, the world is watching, but do it for God. He was always watching. He was watching before there was a phone with a video for somebody to take your picture of what you were doing. God was always watching. We need to do it as unto the Lord. We shouldn't, that pressure of do, doing that societal pressure or that pressure to reflect well because of fear of societal shame is one thing. We should ideally want to do it because we love the Lord. We should want to do it for that. And it's better to, to do it even for the wrong reason, but, but it's best if we behave like Christians because we're be doing it for the Lord. Secondly, about this point, is about unity in the gospel message. We see this very clearly. In, one, in, in chapter 1, verse 27. And it's really not a lot to say about this except that unity in the gospel message is this. We must, must, must get the gospel right. We can never compromise the truth of the gospel for any reason. This is absolutely foundational to the church being the church or remaining the church all right and that encompasses a whole lot of things we could say a, we could say a great many things about this tonight but i need to to keep moving through and then secondly what it says about the unity when we read what paul says in 127 <clears throat> about striving side by side for the faith of the gospel this rolls right into the last point, okay, which is what I want you to see is, is the relationship of Philippians to missions. Missions is one primary way that we can unite with other Christians to spread the gospel message. Think about what we read together in this letter. This letter is probably the best example from Scripture of what a relationship between a church and a missionary should look like. 
in all the years that we've been in our missions program, we have always said that rather than try to give to as many missionaries as we possibly can, our strategy was to choose fewer missionaries and be deeply committed to the ones we support. I believe strongly that when you compare our efforts to what we see illustrated here between Paul and the Philippians, it reinforces that we're employing the right strategy. This letter is rich with examples that show the depth of the relationship between Paul and the Philippians. Thinking back to what we read just a moment ago, he knew the people by name. They knew about those who were sick. And they even knew the struggles of the relationship between individuals within the church. This wasn't just some read, read about it and read the title page comment. He knew the people. The relationship was deep. They were accountable to each other and they supported each other. The early projection for our 2024 mission support looks similar to last year. And last year was incredible, beyond anything I ever would have dreamed. Our missionary financial support is strong. But now we need not be content with that. But we should look at that and how we can grow together in missions, like building deeper relationships and, and, and increasing our prayer. So as we close tonight, I hope you've gotten a greater appreciation for letters from reading Philippians in its entirety together. As you move forward into 2024, look hard at how this could affect and improve your Bible reading and comprehension and your spiritual growth. Maintain focus on Paul's instruction on how to live, and I hope you will see missions in a new and even brighter light. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this wonderful letter that, Paul's, that you've given us through the hand of the Apostle Paul. I thank you for speaking to us in ways that we can understand. What a blessing that is. What a privilege it is to hold it in our hands and take it into our minds and our hearts. Help us to look forward to this new year with a desire to serve you better. Help us to look at this letter as a in some ways as a basis for that. Help us to love your word and learn to understand it better. Help us to read it more and love you more. Help us to reflect Christ in the way we live to the world outside and help our efforts as we look to spread your word through our, the missionaries that we work with. We praise your name and we thank you for all these things in Christ's wonderful name, amen.